This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Welcome in. Badgers all done in Platteville. Our trips to Platteville also done. I think the ba- I think the players are probably crying a little bit. I think they may have been okay with staying for another week. I'm I'm perfectly okay about uh, not going down to Platteville again, Jesse. I don't know about you. Well, we had to commute each day, so that's about 720 miles round trip. The team got to stay in a nice setup there, and Luke Fickle talked after practice about how much not only he loved it, but the players loved it. So I imagine this might become a, a regular occurrence because they got a lot out of that first week in Platteville. Yeah, they definitely did. We'll get into what we saw in practice. On Monday night, they were in full pads for the first time. We got some hitting, um, some guys taking it better than others. And uh, also, uh, I want to go back to Sunday a little bit too. talk about what we saw from Tanner Mordecai and some of the quarterbacks that I thought had some really good days on uh, on Sunday. Before we get to any of it, uh, I do want to mention that we are uh, have home field apparel on board for this season. Really appreciate uh, their support. I don't know if you don't know what home field apparel is. It's uh, a company that puts together officially licensed vintage college gear. They have a ridiculous Wisconsin line, but they've got over 150 colleges that they have uh, done designs for. Just go check it out. Homefieldapparel.com. I don't think you'll be disappointed. I'm personally, there's a couple of mascots, old school mascots that I love that they bring back. And that's especially true of Tulane you got the wave the, the some of the designs for Tulane are, are amazing so go check them out it's homefieldapparel.com if you put in the promo code camp 23 you can get 15 percent off your first purchase again we do uh, appreciate their support let's start Jesse though with a little bit of news coming out of camp and that was uh Mumajong Meta not taking part in practice on Monday night because he had a little bit of a procedure on his hand uh, I believe either Monday, earlier in the day, Monday, or uh, later on Sunday. He is was in a sling, had his hand all wrapped up, looked like the thumb was kind of the focal point of the wrap. The good news, though, is according to Luke Fickle, he could be back at practice as soon as Wednesday. I mean, he was wearing a club on it uh, in practice on Sunday, and, you know, he's going to have to wear a club on it when he comes back as well. It's not ideal. I don't know if it's going to be something that's going to be a year-long club, but uh, – they do expect him back to practice pretty soon. That is the most encouraging news you could possibly have happen when you see you walk into practice and you see the team's returning leading tackler, guy who had 95 tackles, presumably going to be one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten in a sling that Fickle said that he expected that John Meta would be back at practice when the team returns to Madison and gets going again on Wednesday. It does give some other guys opportunities. Jake Cheney took the first team reps with Jordan Turner in the one group, but we know how important John Meta is going to be and something he's probably going to have to deal with because, as Fickle said, it was a, a procedure of some sort that doesn't just go away in two days. So we'll see what he has to deal with. But we did see him at practice at least on Sunday with that big club and still very effective. It's just uh, a lot more challenging probably to wrap up in a tackling situation. Yeah, interceptions, trying to catch the ball, all a little bit more difficult. We've seen guys in the past have to deal with that. It's Again, it's not ideal, but it's better than better having Muma than nothing, right? Uh, luckily for them, they've got some depth at inside linebackers, specifically with Jake Cheney and Jordan Turner, now the first team, I guess, with Muma out. But Tate Grass had a couple of nice plays as well, and they've got some younger guys I think they like at the position too. 
but it's not Muma. And the fact is they could put all three of those inside linebackers on the field at the same time. I feel like they've got three starters there. And uh, so it does, it's a little bit of a hit, but I don't think it's something that anybody should be worried about. And they'll be, uh, he'll be back very, very quickly here. All right, let's get to the practice Monday night in pads for the first time under the lights last time in Platteville. And we got to see a little bit of Braylon Allen being Braylon Allen. And I think it was really good by Luke Fickle afterwards to explain, you know, and we knew this, that practice situations for Braylon Allen are not necessarily fair because his style does not lend itself to practice. They're not tackling. They're not going live tackling. They're thudding thudding up. And so it's hard to decide or it's hard to determine when to put your shoulder down, when to just, you know, let guys wrap you up. And with Braylon Allen last night, we got to see a little bit of something I don't think I've seen from him. We didn't see a ton from him last year. I think he had a great year last year. I think it was good, but we didn't necessarily see the explosion that maybe we saw the prior year uh, when he was a freshman. We got to see that last night. A hole opened up on the left side, a huge hole, a huge hole, but he exploded through it bursted through it like I don't even know the right word to say but his acceleration was just insane through the hole and about 15 yards down the field Kamoi Latu decided you know was coming up and we all know that Kamoi Latu is a big hitter we've seen some collisions with Kamoi Latu and other players in camp and Braylon Allen lowered his shoulder and ran right through uh, Kamoi Latu again I don't know I don't think Kamoi was coming 100 percent um but we got to see him we got to see Braylon Allen just run right through and go on. And it would have been a big gain, probably 20 plus, if not more. And it's just a difficult thing to determine, you know, exactly what would have happened there if live tackling was happening. But Braylon Allen, some explosion, explosion through that hole. I got to say, Zach, first of all, the last few days, I've been really impressed with the performance of the first team offensive line. I The caveat, as always, is it's really difficult to know what the result of a play would be. And how many yards it would go for? Would a linebacker wrap that guy up? Would Braylon or Chez or whoever it may be, Jackson Aker, get a bigger gain? But the run that we're talking about, it was wide open for Braylon. There have been several instances of that. I think that is an extremely encouraging sign for fans that have a lot of questions about how is this offensive line going to adapt to these changes? And that play, so Wisconsin did a fair amount of scrimmage, a lot more probably with the younger guys. But that was a situation where Wisconsin's offense had the ball at its own 29-yard line. And by the time Braylon got across midfield, it was ahead of steam and Kamoe was there. Braylon just, that's the kind of play that shows why he can be one of the best running backs in the country this season. Because we've known about the power, that kind of burst and acceleration has a chance to make him even more special. I don't know how much of that has to do with the offseason workout plan. We know that he put on about 10 pounds, and yet, based on what strength coach Brady Collins said, he was faster, (laughs) which is hard to believe. But right there was a situation where you saw it. And Luke talked about it after practice as well, that it can be a mental game for someone like Braylon or Chez because you want to get those reps in. The most important thing with a player like Braylon is making sure he gets to the season opener healthy. And yet you're trying to strike this balance of get him healthy, but get him reps and make it the most football-like situation you can. So that was a really good sequence. And to me, the very best run that we have seen in these first six practices of fall camp. Yeah. And it gave the offense some juice too, right? I think that was something that Luke Fickle mentioned, but it was also noticeable in the moment. 
Devin Spaulding ran halfway down the field because Braylon took off and went to the end zone and Devin Spaulding went almost was the first one to join, you know, to, to meet him on the sideline. The second guy to meet him was Ches Malusi, who is still out, uh, did not practice. Again, they're being cautious with him. He took a big hit uh, from Kamoi Latu on, what was that? Was that Saturday? Yes. Yeah, on Saturday. So uh, he's still out a little bit, but he uh, he greeted Braylon with a little bit of a tap on the helmet, big smile. So, um, yeah, it gives it gives them some juice. And it, it, I think that's kind of what we can't necessarily see in practice because there's not 100% tackling. It's not live tackling. And so we have to determine what the kind of play it would have been, but it was impressive from Braylon. It was impressive. Braylon. He wasn't the only one that had some impressive days in the backfield. I don't think uh, Jackson Aker, who because of Ches Malusa being out elevated to that number three spot or the number two spot, I guess it was on the field quite a bit with uh, Braylon Allen and their two running back sets. He also ha- met a player and, that player's name is Jason Matry, who will not back down from anybody, whether it's Braylon Allen, whether it's Jackson Aker, whether it's Hayden Rucci, it doesn't matter. Jason Matry will not back down. It does not always go his way when he tries to come up and tackle somebody, but he goes 100% and just throws his body in there. And he tried to do that against Jackson Aker, and it didn't go great. It didn't go great, but he gets up and he's talking and he's smiling like that. That's just the type of player he is. And he is not afraid of anybody and anything. And he'll put his nose in there. So I thought that stood out. And then Katie Akameli obviously got a lot more carries as well. And so did Nate white. Um, I thought the real big time play from Katie Akameli that stood out uh, came in. We call it a move the ball period. It was kind of move the ball period. Uh, it was a 41 yard touchdown on a wheel route from Braden Locke, who he, I mean, he just whipped the safety. And got down and was wide open. Braden Lock hit him for a, a long score. I thought those kind of plays stood out from the younger running backs too. I have a lot of thoughts on everything that you just said. First oh, of all, all right. it, it certainly seems that Jason Matry is one of the biggest talkers on the defense. Easily. Because, because of the way you can see the guys on offense react to him. And, and we saw this during the one-on-one receiver DB drills, which was awesome to watch in terms of competition. This was on... Sunday that Skylar Bell was pointing toward him after his rep and wanted Jason Matry out there and Luke Fickle obliged. Actually, if you watch the video and you have it up there, Braden Moore is in there and Luke Fickle kicks him out and has Matry and Bell go one-on-one. Bell obviously catches the touchdown pass and everyone goes crazy, but that's the kind of swagger and confidence that you need out of a DB, someone who's got that short memory. I've been so impressed with the cornerback group, the number one group overall, which we can get into later, but Matry, Ricardo Holm, and Alexander Smith. I think Smith has been fantastic the last couple of practices. But from a running back standpoint, a lot to be impressed about. Um, yes, they're not being tackled the way they would be in a game. You mentioned the touchdown that Yacomelli has. It certainly appears right now that Aker has a bit of an edge since he is the one getting the reps to replace Malusi, and he's got the versatility, he's got the snaps at fullback, played a little bit of running back as a true freshman. This was the first chance we got to see Nate White earn extensive action. And you can see the skill set about why this program wanted him, why he was the number one player in the state in the 2023 recruiting class. He's kind of slight of build in terms of weight. He's listed at 170 pounds. That shiftiness and speed is evident. I think the first carry that he got, he had a burst for about nine yards, 
a couple plays later, he caught a pass in the flat. And, and maybe the most impressive run was one that went for either no gain or one yard. There was a, a carry that he got in the backfield. He was dead to rights, and he juked a defender and turned a negative yardage play into something positive. Not saying he's going to play this season. I don't expect him to. But when you consider the roster and the fact that Braylon's going to go to the NFL, most likely, that Chez is using up his eligibility, he could have an opportunity in 2024. So I think it was an encouraging day for some of the young guys. And Nate White is one in particular who stood out to me. Yeah, so that was the the running back side of it. Passing game, and, and Luke Fickle talked about this after practice, uh, they're still looking. They feel good about the running game. They think they're going to be able to run the ball consistency, uh, consistently and efficiently. The passing game is still kind of a work in progress. Is would you agree with that in terms of what Fickle said afterwards? It's it's trying to trying to be efficient in the passing game. That's something they're still working towards. And again, it's practice six of fall camp. Um, I know you said earlier in camp that by practice ten you're expecting big things, even more big things. Right? They're going to go right down the field all the time. I think that's what you said, right? Like you don't just, think that's what I said. No, I do that's expect not, considerable that's progress, considerable progress, and more consistency. Uh, but what from from the passing game side of things, when uh, outside of obviously the throw to Kade Yacomelli, what did you see from, uh, you know, whether it's Brayden Locke, whether it's Tanner Mordecai, whether it's Miles Burkett, or even at the end there where we got to see Nick Evers, which was uh, a nice little surprise for us or a nice little gift, I guess, for us at the end of camp. Yeah, well, I think we should start with Mordecai and Locke and then maybe have a separate discussion about Burkett and Evers just because they're on different playing fields right now and who we're going to see presumably in the season is Mordecai. And if something should happen, Locke, I mean, I'll start with Mordecai. I, I, there weren't a lot of big plays airing it out deep down the field with the first team offense, but what stood out to me from Monday night in particular was Mordecai's ability to stay calm under duress because there were a handful of situations where he was facing pressure. And this is part of the challenge of covering practice is there are plays where a linebacker gets into the backfield and pulls up and probably would have sacked the quarterback, but the play continues. And then you see something happen, but there were also a couple situations where he kind of evaded pressure and was able to get the throw off and make a good play I think one of his better throws was a third down situation. I think it was a third down situation in third and medium or so. And he was able to keep the play going. And he found Will Pauling coming across the field just past the first down marker to keep the drive alive. It's not one of those that you're going to go, oh, my gosh, it's a 40-yard touchdown pass down the field. But I think that's the kind of stuff that they're absolutely going to need from Mordecai. You need a play. You need a quick hitter. Make sure you don't make a mistake and keep the drive going. So I, I've been impressed with Mordecai for the most part in terms of not beating himself. And I know that hasn't always been the case. And when they throw as often as they do, there are going to be interceptions. But that's what stood out to me about Tanner. With Braden, I actually think what he did Monday, it may have been his best practice overall of the six we've seen this fall. And I think it's a reminder about what we saw in the spring and a reminder about why, to me, he is the potential quarterback of the future here, that he has the ability to thread the needle and to make smart decisions. And there were several of those. And even one that was an incomplete pass, Wisconsin had the ball at the defense's 22-yard line. It was a fourth down, and he put a ball in the only spot where Keontes Lewis could have gotten it. And it would have been a tough catch. Keontes was falling down. It ended up being incomplete. But I thought that was a situation where Braden just gave his guy a chance and put it in the right spot. And there were several of those instances. So to me, 
I think the last couple of practices have been really good bounce back situations for Braden because he had a practice late last week where he threw three picks. And there was a situation where they're putting Miles Burkett in with the twos because they can't have their quarterback turn the ball over. So those two guys really, I think, have impressed me the last couple of practices. Well, and Miles Burkett got a, a few second team reps yesterday as well. Um, I, do you think that's a competition? I do not, uh, based on what I have seen. And maybe this is the time to get into Burkett and Evers, but I guess I, I would ask for your thoughts on Mordecai and, and Locke to date and maybe what you've seen the last couple of practices. Well, again, I, I am the only, my, my only concern with Tanner Mordecai whatsoever is the turnovers. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be accurate with passes. I think he's gonna be able to use his legs to put pressure on defenses. I think he is going to get the ball in the hands of the playmakers and, and do all that type of stuff. My biggest question is, can he take care of the pat, take care of the ball? And through much of fall camp, he has, and he did last night. It's just in-game situations where you can actually get hit. And I maybe it's just because of the last few years where when the pocket was clean, Graham Mertz was very, very good. And when it wasn't, he was not very good. But I feel like that's most quarterbacks, but it was night and day with Graham, right? It was just when it would, when pressure was coming and he get hit early in a game, that was not going to be a good game for Wisconsin. And so can that, can Tanner, does Tanner Mordecai have that ability just to deal with a couple big hits and and uh, keep moving on and not force passes into situations where he shouldn't? Um, he threw the ball a ton at SMU, and he threw 70, what was it, 71 touchdowns, 72 touchdowns in his two years there. Also, I believe 28 interceptions. And so those are in the 20s, high 20s. Yeah, 70, 72 and 22. 72 and 22, excuse me. Uh, in, in the 20s, can he keep that down? I think that is my biggest question for Tanner Mordecai. And it remains my biggest question, even what we've seen in camp. And Braden Locke, look, he's not going to blow anybody away with his arm strength. It's just That's just not going to happen. But what we saw in the spring was his ability to know to go, know where to go with the ball on a consistent basis and put it where it needed to be. And last night, he did that. The throw you mentioned to Keontes was perfect. It was dropped in a bucket right there, and it should have been a touchdown. Um, it was a great throw his receivers more often not are going to make those plays for him and it, it'll look even better. And we probably would be talking about that throw even more, but for him, it's consistency. Can he continue to stack a day like he did yesterday, or does it go back to what we saw before? Again, the offense is going to be behind the defense. That's just what it is. And this defense gets its hands on passes as well as any defense that I've seen Wisconsin wise. Um, and that says something because we know how good these defenses have been the last decade, but this one has, gotten his hands on a ton of passes, uh, whether it's the first team, the second team, or even the young guys, a ton of passes they've gotten their hands on. So those two guys, I think, are very, very nice, solid options. And I also think it comes down to Tanner Mordecai, whether this offense is going to be successful or not, because I think they have the talent of wide receiver. I think they have great talent in the backfield. We've seen some progress from the offensive line. Comes back to Tanner Mordecai. And um, again, I think we've talked about this a bunch. For Phil Longo, He's been successful everywhere he's went. Everybody, excuse me, he's been successful wherever he's gone, quarterback-wise. His guys have always played pretty well. Can Tanner Mordecai follow that up? I think so. it's a totally fair question and reasonable concerns, and we, we just won't know for as much as we're seeing. I mean, we're seeing every snap here, the first 10 practices, but 
it's not what the football is going to look like when the bullets are flying and it's week one or week two at Washington state. So it is a work in progress and to be determined. Yeah. And, and the one, one more thing on Tanner is you look at his stats when he was at SMU kind of like Graham, very, very good against poor competition. And that's another question for me as well. But again, I think if you trust Phil Longo and in my mind, it's hard not to trust Phil Longo everything will work itself out offensively and they're going to be competent offensively, if not, you know, good on offense. It just may not be something that hits the ground running immediately. So those, those two quarterbacks, do you want to talk about Miles Burkett and Nick Evers? Because Nick Evers finally got, I mean, he finally got some team reps last night. Yeah. Miles Burkett. Again, he, he makes some plays and he, and he makes mistakes. That's, that's what young quarterbacks do. Same thing with Nick Evers. I mean, the, the funniest thing about last night was it was the final move the ball segment of practice and Nick Evers, you know, gets them into the high red zone and throws an interception and practice is over, right? No. <laughs> Luke Fickle allow, uh, gives them the ball back, gives them one more play, and they had, I think it was Davion Thomas was the wide receiver on the outside and Mike Brown took him out and put Hakan Anderson in there and they ran just a, a deep, you know, a deep post threw it up. It was a ridiculously good throw. Hakan Anderson made a great catch and it was a touchdown to end practice instead of the interception. Yeah. Well, I'll start with miles. He had a really tough night. Um, three interceptions had a pitch issue with Nate white that resulted in a fumble that Isaac Townsend recovered recovered. Um, I, I, I'm just fascinated by this because behind the scenes, we don't know what's going on in terms of the learning. And Nick Evers hasn't even been close to challenging miles Burkett when it comes to rep opportunities in practice. Like most of the practices we've seen miles is the third team quarterback and there is nobody else getting snaps in the 11 on 11 situations. And, and miles is even elevated to the second team on certain occasions, especially when Braden has struggled I've said this since Nick got here and we saw the first practice, but the qualities that he has are as good as anybody on the roster. The arm strength, he had a throw, and this is, granted, it's one-on-ones, but these are the few chances we have to see Nick. So the wide receivers match up against the DBs, and he threw a 35-yard touchdown pass to Bryson Green, who who leapt over Nizir Forkurine, but you can see the arm strength is there. And we saw it on that last play too to end practice where it was, they stuck the ball at the 14 yard line. So it ended up being a 14 yard touchdown pass, but you also have a situation where on the play before he throws an interception. So both of those guys are in learning mode with Nick. It's not about the athletic ability and the instincts because those are there and you can see it in the snaps that he gets, whether it's tucking the ball and running or evading pressure. He had a throw he evaded pressure and it was a short completion to Koldakovich and it doesn't look like much, but it's just one of those things where you see that Nick's got this skill set. for him. It is all about the playbook and the knowledge because as Phil Longo has said, it's the reps in the classroom that get you the reps on the field. So I still feel like it's just a matter of time until Nick starts to elevate. I'm not saying that's into a one or a two spot right now, but I just wonder when we'll see him get more opportunities because the, the, skill set is there skill sets off the charts and i there's there's no question about the skill set there's not i mean just it's in that room he's got the best of anybody so figure out a way to put it all together and 
Wisconsin has a very, very high level uh, quarterback in Nick Evers. Um, it's just putting it all together to, and he's still young, still, you know, very young. Right. I mean, just this would be his obviously his first year at Wisconsin, but just his second year in college football. And there's still a lot of time for him to figure things out. Um, but a few other things on offense. There's a guy that's been standing out, and I don't know if it's necessarily in a numbers thing or if it's him showing the staff that he's ready to play right now. But Tucker Ashcraft, the freshman tight end, has been getting work with the first and second team offense um it's right now you would say obviously jack Pugh, riley noakowski hayden rucci are your top three but i think tucker ashcraft is probably is four and and rising he's ahead of koldakovich he's ahead of jt seagreaves and with angel tombs out as well obviously another true freshman he's been getting some reps and i think he had a, had a few catches last night it's a guy that stands out Certainly a bit of a surprise. And every year when you go into the season, you have no idea which true freshmen are going to emerge. I don't know that I necessarily saw anything in practice before Monday that indicated he was moving up. But Nate Lenton is obviously seeing every snap, watching the film in the meeting rooms with them. And we know that Wisconsin is still looking to be a little bit more dynamic, established playmakers, establish a rotation on the heels of finding out the night before the first practice that, or, or the move over to Platteville that Jack Eschenbach and Clay Cundiff are not going to be with the program moving forward. So Ashcraft may be a sneaky good pickup when it's all said and done because he was initially committed to Colorado and then ended up decommitting, took his visit to Wisconsin in December, committed to and signed with Wisconsin later that month. I'm still intrigued by his skill set and how they want to utilize him, but they want tight ends that are versatile, obviously, that can block, but be efficient pass catchers. And we did see that happened with him on a couple opportunities. So one of those guys that you weren't necessarily looking for that all of a sudden, actually it's to me, I'm looking, I got my piece of paper right next to me with the roster and it's like, wait a minute, 30 at 38. Is that what it, you're looking and you go, you like, you're not quite sure who it is yet, but the more you see him, the more you can understand why. Yeah, definitely. I'm interested to see how that progresses because true freshman tight ends rarely, rarely, especially at Wisconsin in its history, have not come in and made like huge, huge impacts, but you never know. You never know, especially with the numbers at that spot and um, his receiving ability. Maybe it all plays out. And we'll see how it does for Tucker Ashcraft on the other side of the ball. Do we want to talk? I mean, there's anything that you want to talk about wide receiver wise. I mean, I feel like we've praised them and praised them and praised them. And I thought there were some more impressive plays on, on Monday night, but is it, was there anything that stood out to you that you wanted to touch on before we go to the defensive side? Nothing we haven't discussed here in the first week. And I'd also say that we're going to have an opportunity to talk to wide receivers coach Mike Brown and some of the wide receivers later in this week. And I imagine that'll be a talking point in a future episode here coming soon. For sure. For sure. All right. Defensively, guy that stood out back to back, uh, maybe almost back to back place, James Thompson Jr. A um, couple TFLs. And this happened after the Braylon run. So I feel like, and this is just me creating drama in my own head is that after that Braylon run, which the hole was wide open, defense got called over the side and just got reamed, right? This is just me in my head. This probably did not happen. but And they probably, like, challenged him, right? Don't let it happen again. And James Thompson Jr. comes in, and the next next possession that the first team defense is out there, and a couple of tackles for loss, tossed Braylon around a little bit, and then got Jackson Aker in the backfield. Two big-time plays from a guy that they're looking for, and we talked to those guys on – was that Sunday? We had a chance to talk to the defensive line. 
and we heard Greg Scruggs talk about it. It's and this isn't necessarily exactly what he's referring to, but he wants the guys to be more aggressive pass rushing wise. But we haven't, you know, getting the backfield, making TFLs like that out of the defensive end position hasn't necessarily been a huge thing in Wisconsin's defense. It's a lot of hold guys up and let the linebackers make plays, but I don't think that's going to be the case with this defensive line. One of the things that James talked about on Sunday was knowing that they've just lost Keanu Benton, a big time run stuffer, just became a second round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He wants to be one of those leaders. He wants to be one of those guys and to help establish this defensive line as one of the best in the Big Ten. Now it's easy to say that in August before you've played a game, but Thompson's going to be a huge part of this. To me, they've established what looks like kind of a core four where it's Rodas Johnson, James Thompson Jr., Isaiah Mullins, Gio Paez, and then they've been rotating through a number of other players, Cade McDonald, Ben Barton, Darian Varner, which, by the way, we should mention, I, I, Varner got his first live snaps in 11-on-11 work since he came to Wisconsin on Sunday, and I, I wrote about this, but he got two snaps with the second-team group, and then the next time we saw him was in a red zone situation. I believe it was third and goal situations. There was the ball at the six-yard line, and Varner burst off the line, and he was in the backfield and blew up the play. And that was just a glimpse of what I think he can provide. So that's not even the whole group. They, they've been rotating in Mike Jarvis, Isaac Townsend. Obviously, Kurt Neal is injured, and Luke Fickle said after practice that it may be a couple of weeks. But he wants to play eight guys. I don't know what that looks like in terms of snap, but it starts with the, the top and a guy like Thompson, who I think could be in for a really big season. I would agree. I would agree. It's it's an, it's not going to be something that's done like the production is not going to be done by one guy. It's going to be done by multiple guys. And that's just uh, how it's going to have to be, because I don't think they necessarily have that that star. But um, we'll see. I The other thing in talk to the defensive lineman, uh, Jamel Howard's been like a, a big topic for fans because it was such a big recruiting win for them. Uh, what you know, they desperately wanted him. They went and got him out of Chicago. Greg Scruggs did. And people are wondering, because they don't have necessarily have that big body at nose tackle, whether he could potentially be that guy. And so I asked, I mean, he's he's dealing with a little bit of an injury right now. He got hurt. But I asked Greg Scruggs, and he goes, I don't talk about babies. I don't talk about babies, uh, which I thought was kind of funny um, because it's true. I mean, I, he said that that was like a something that his coach did, right? Was it is a guy that he either worked with or uh, played under would not talk about freshmen. So don't have a lot of information on Jamel Howard, but uh, they, they do think, I know that there is a, a good feeling about him within the program. It's just, we'll see if it's this year or not, but I did find that kind of funny with, uh, with Greg Scruggs. You mentioned the cornerbacks. What has, what is it about Jason Matry? And you kind of went into a little bit, but what is it about Jason Matry, Alex Smith, Ricardo Holman that has stood out to you so much that you uh, mentioned it earlier? Well, obviously, they're getting more opportunities in the passing game. So for as much as we're talking about wide receiver catches and quarterback throws, there are also going to be more pass breakups. But I think it's the consistency with which that group has played. Yes, there are going to be big plays. They are going to give them up. But they are giving it right back to those wide receivers. And it's great for competition. And that's something that Luke Fickle talked about, too. I mean, one of the things he mentioned was trying to strike this balance about how to go live, when to go live. And he said he didn't necessarily think he would do it with the first group. He also said there are going to be two big scrimmages for this team moving forward here in the fall. I certainly hope we have an opportunity to see one. I 
I will we'll find out. We still got four more practices to watch. I'll be shocked. <laughs> I'll be shocked if one of those big scrimmages in the next four days. And maybe it'll be on Saturday, which is the last one I think we have an opportunity to see. We'll see. Either way, one of the things he said that he liked was the way the DBs and the wide receivers are challenging each other and the fact that the DBs are right there and they're really thudding up those guys and getting into them. But I Alexander Smith to me looks like and Ricardo Holman too, but the last couple of days, I think Smith has just been outstanding the way he's challenging these wide receivers, his ability to break up passes. He had one that he would have wanted back because he should have had an interception and he dropped it. I just have been so impressed by that group and think they're, it's, it's hard to speculate on, okay, what is the best cornerback group Wisconsin has had, but I would go into this season feeling pretty good about that top three and uh, just, being able to get a guy like Matry out of the portal who's played, I think he had started 30 games coming in. What a win for them. I, I do have questions about what that number two unit looks like at this point. Nizier Forkurine has elevated himself into that role on the outside. Jonas Duclona, who has gotten a lot of praise from his teammates for what he did in the spring. And then Owen Arnett so far has been your number two slot guy. But that top three, I think has been really impressive here early in fall camp. For sure. I am also interested in, how that second group plays out, especially in the slot. Um, but Jones to I think he's been as good as the top group personally, personally. And um, he's not going against, he's not necessarily going against the starters, but when you look at the guys he's going against Bryson green and Keontas Lewis and some of the, you know, mostly Bryson green um, the good news also for the wide receiver crew that we didn't uh, touch on Tommy McIntosh returned to team drills, Chris Brooks jr returned to, to team drills a little bit as well. Uh, both those guys coming back from injuries. So that's at least notable uh, for those two guys. Before we go, punting, the punting situation. Let's do it. Um, big yeah, day. Big day for the punters yesterday. It has been a bit of a struggle earlier in camp, but they had their best day uh, of, the, of the camp on Monday night. It wasn't even close. Uh, and Luke Fickle even mentioned it. You asked Fickle after practice about the kickers and the punters. And he talked about what a good job he felt that the punters did. And, and we know that Luke is actively involved in special teams. You can see him coaching up those guys in the punting situations. But to me, it was Atticus Bertrams and, and Jack Van Dyke and, and to a lesser extent, Gavin Myers. But Bertrams has been going first here for the majority of, of fall camp and his first one. So he's the rugby style rollout to his left guy which makes it easy to determine who's punting. The first one, and I'm tracking this, was it was a 50-yard punt that had great hang time. I mean, I think the way he's able to move the ball from sideline to sideline when he gets into it and gets that hang time, it allows the coverage unit to get down there, and I think he's going to be the guy. But Van Dyke had the longest punt, maybe of certainly of Monday night. I don't know if it'll be of every punt we've seen here this week, but he's got the strongest leg to me. I mean, he had a 55-yard punt. I think he had another one in the 50 yard range, maybe 51 yards with him. It's a matter of consistency because he had a punt the previous day and they've been punting from their own 20 yard line. It went straight up in the air. It bounced at his own 42 and went 10 yards backward. It ended up being what would have been 12 yard punt. So that's a big reason why they decided to go in the portal after that kick scrimmage that they had in the spring is that lack of consistency that they had out of Van Dyke and Myers. But with Van Dyke and Bertrams, I thought they were outstanding. And maybe this is kind of the the step that both those guys needed to be more consistent because Wisconsin certainly needs it in the punting game. They definitely do. The kicking situation, we didn't get to see the kickers on Monday night. We got to see them on Sunday. Wasn't the best day for uh, Nathaniel Vakos. 
no, he ended up going one for four unofficially. I should say all these marks are from us sitting up in the press box, but the, the third kick is the one that in particular stands out because it was a 29 yarder and he missed and he was visibly upset with himself afterward, came back and made the last field goal. But this is a guy who in his freshman year at Ohio, I believe was 19 for 23. So he missed almost as many field goals in practice as he did during all of last season. I know it's a different situation. You brought him here for a reason. You need consistency out of your kicker. And, and one of the things Fickle said in his response to your question was that this next phase of fall camp, he expects to ramp up uh, the kicking opportunity, certainly. Now, they punt every day, but he does expect to do that kick scrimmage again like they did in the spring, which will create more pressure and opportunities for those guys. And I think those kickers certainly need it. They definitely do. Uh, Wisconsin, six practices into fall camp. They will be back on the field. They're getting Tuesday off. It's their day off. They're traveling back from Platteville as we're talking. They will be back on the field Wednesday morning at Camp Randall for the first time in fall camp. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. Talk soon. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.